Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. So we're going to think about hunger today, and you don't have to be an expert or an international aid worker to know that food is a matter of life and death around the world. It's a matter of life and death because the human body needs food to survive, and we all know that far too many people in far too many places don't have enough food. So what happens when well-fed Americans, like you perhaps, or me for sure, hear a Bible story about truly hungry people. 
Does that story have any traction or meaning for us? I would say yes, most definitely. For I personally hope that there's always going to be an eagerness on our part to advocate on behalf of those who are food insecure or starving. And I also hope that we'll be willing to contribute to the relief of that hunger. But I also want to think today about spiritual and emotional hungers that we all have and that we may need to come to terms with in more frank and candid ways, even if our stomachs happen to be very full. So I'll be contemplating these sorts of things with you today, but first, the short little Bible story that inspired my message. It's from 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, beginning at the 42nd verse. A man from Belshalishah, bringing food from the first fruits of the harvest to Elisha, the holy man of God, twenty loaves of barley bread and some fresh ears of grain in a sack. Elisha said, Give it to the people so they can eat. But his servant said, There's not nearly enough for a hundred people. So Elisha repeated himself, Give it to the people so they can eat. For so says the Lord, They shall eat and will have some left over. The man from Belshalishah set the food before the people, and they not only ate, but they had some food left over, just as the Lord said there would be. Well, now to some thoughts about physical and spiritual hunger. Take a listen. Most of us are aware of the desperate situation in Haiti. Uh, there's near total lawlessness on the streets uh, from gangs, violence, killings, lootings. Um, nobody appears to be safe. There's an absence of government for all practical purposes. The economy is in shambles. The agricultural industry is, has fallen apart. In this little island nation, pretty much all of their food comes through import, and that has shut down. And there is extreme, extreme uh, poverty. We're all aware of this. I wasn't quite so aware, though, of how much hunger there is in terms of desperately hungry uh, people. The poorest of the poor can't even find a plate of rice for their household in a day. And there are, we hear of these food riots, of people just scrambling for anything they can get. Well, each morning in Port-au-Prince, the capital, there are these trucks that come in, these, these pickup trucks, with dried yellow dirt that's brought in from the, sh the, the plateau of, uh, of the center of the country. And women in the marketplace, they buy this dirt. And they're on the open tables of the marketplace. They mix in a little water with the dirt. They sprinkle in some salt. They add some vegetable shortening. All of this after they've sifted out the little stones or rocks. And they fashion this mud into mud cookies. And they sell these things for pennies. I'm told that when you put a mud cookie to your tongue, it pretty much sucks the moisture right out of your mouth. And people who 
have eaten these say you just taste the bitterness of dirt for the rest of the day. There's a one, one woman who's 35 years old, she told a reporter, she, she prepares these things, she sells these things, and she feeds her family oftentimes with these cookies. I'm hoping that one day I'll have enough food to eat so I can stop eating these. I know they're not good for me. Well, your imagination can determine the nutritional value and the drawbacks to your intestinal system of eating dirt. I mention this simply to underscore the fact that food is a matter of life and death all around the world each and every day. So one of the questions I want to ask this morning is how do we pray for our own daily bread when there are so many people that don't have bread? And is it even possible to pray for our bread today or our bread for tomorrow when we know that there are millions and millions of people who didn't have bread yesterday, they don't have it today, and very likely they're not going to have it tomorrow. It feels to me sometimes almost presumptuous, a little bit like cheap grace, to be praying, give us today our daily bread. When I know full well where my bread is coming from, it's coming from the store because I'm able to pay for it. It just feels a little bit cheap sometimes to pray that prayer when I know where my bread's coming from, but I leave it to God to figure out where you will get your bread from. And one of the reasons we have all sorts of food ministries here at St. Paul, including the giving of tens of thousands of dollars away every single year from our offerings, no less, to feed people who are hungry, one of the reasons for this is because our faith tells us that there's not a huge value in praying for the bread for others if we don't have some willingness on our own part to contribute to their relief or to advocate for policies, whether they're local or international or national, that might help out the situation of hunger. If we don't have the kind of willingness to contribute to the relief of others or to advocate for their relief, maybe we're not ready to pray that prayer, give us today our daily bread. Or maybe if we're ready to pray it, maybe it's kind of empty, spiritually empty, if we're not willing. You know, we're shielded from all kinds of vulnerability with respect to food. If you want something, you go to the store and you buy it. In biblical times, 90% of a person's day might have been spent preparing or producing food. And except for those of you that are farmers who work long hours or who might be cooks who work seven days a week, most of us don't really have a grasp of what it's like to devote 90% of our time to the preparation of food. Well, I picked this reading for today from 2 Kings chapter 4, not only because I figured you're not going to be reading 2 Kings otherwise today, but because I love the name of this town in the, in the reading, Bel Shali Shah, it just strikes me as kind of a neat name. Scholars have no idea where this town is, so neither do I. But it's a neat-sounding name. I also picked it because it reminds me 
this guy who comes from Bel Shalishah, and he gives these 20 barley loaves of bread to the prophet Elisha. It reminds me of this other story that you know very well, of a little boy with five loaves of barley bread and two fish, and he gives them to the disciples who give them to the Lord, and they say, we can't feed these 5,000 people on this grassy slope. And this man from Baal Shalishah says to Elijah, I can't, I can't feed 100 people with just these loaves of bread. So if you don't get into the name of that town like I do, well, then just think of the feeding of the 5,000 people. And either one of these stories, uh, by the way, they remind us, I think, of the skittishness that we all feel when it comes to shortfall. We all get kind of anxious about this running out thing. The man says to Elijah, I, I'm just sure there's not enough, uh, enough loaves to feed these people. And Andrew the disciple says to Jesus, I'm positive we don't begin to have enough to feed these thousands of people on this hillside slope in Galilee. This, by the way, it's the exact same thing we say every time there's a funeral luncheon here. I just don't know if we're going to have enough food. There's just more people that showed up than we thought. We might have to go down to KFC. It's what we say when you go to a large picnic. We better cut the hamburgers in half. I think we're going to run out, you know. It's what the chef says in a restaurant when he only has one piece of salmon left. And this is the special of the day, and it's only 6 p.m. I knew I should have ordered more salmon. I knew it. This, this shortfall thing, it's not just in food, though. It's with our money. We're worried about not having enough. And it, it has to do with our freedoms. We're, we're just sure that we're not going to have enough and they're not going to be secured in the right way. It has to do with toilet paper. When a pandemic begins, we're just sure there's not going to have enough, so we better stockpile. Employment. Will there be enough jobs to have for all the people? Now we're saying, will there be enough people to have for the jobs? Well, you must be aware in your own life, as I'm aware in my life, that we often convince ourselves that there's going to be scarcity. It's entirely a project of our psyche. We just convince ourselves that there's going to be this scarcity thing. And you know what that does? That basically reinforces anxiety. There's no way to face scarcity without becoming anxious. And when you, refer, when you reinforce your anxiousness, it only makes the scarcity seem more real, like it's encroaching upon us. It's going to consume us. It's going to consume our happiness, our, our lively, livelihood. It's going to consume our opportunities. And when scarcity feels that very real, it makes generosity look downright dangerous, total risk. And it makes stinginess look like total wisdom, really, really uh, attractive. Well, it's kind of bizarre, you know, that we have this mindset of shortfall when we worship a God that's full of plenteousness. The, the God that we worship in this very hour is the God who tells the story of this dad who gives half of his estate to this rebellious son. And who tells the story of this, this vineyard owner who gives his entire vineyard to the ten tenants. And who tells the story of a king who invites every single undesirable in the country to this wedding banquet. This is a God who tells us about this 
farmer who had so much seed that most of it didn't even take root. I don't know why we have this bizarre mindset about shortfall when we worship a God of plenty, but maybe it's just the way we're constructed. But here's a way to think about this, if you will. Just as God programs our bodies to be hungry, and that's what they're programmed to do. When you're hungry, you know that you're supposed to eat and take in nutrition. In other words, hunger performs this kind of biological function. Well, just as God programs our bodies to be hungry, so we can be hungry in some other ways, too, besides just food. I know that most of you are pretty well fed, but we would not be in church today, I don't think, if we were not hungry in some way. Remember, we can be hungry in all kinds of ways beyond the caloric and the mineral and the vitamin and the protein and all that stuff. Now, you may question me on this, but, but let me set an example before you. you. You could leave church this morning, and you could say to somebody else, hey, you know, uh, by the way, are, are you here by chance today because you're hungry for God? And they look at you kind of weirdly, or they smile nervously, and no, actually, it's just too hot to play golf today, you know. Or you could look at somebody who you've never seen in this space before. You think they're maybe the first time here. You just get this sense. And you say to them, you know, is there any chance that by, you might be hungering for God? No, no, no. I, I've seen this church before. I just drive by and I thought, well, today I would drop in. It is hard to recognize sometimes what we might be hungry for. And it can be very difficult to even identify or to put words to what you hunger for. But I'm going to guess that we are here this morning because you've heard a rumor, and I've heard a rumor, that God feeds the hungry and that God fills the human soul and that God knows we are programmed to run out of food spiritually or otherwise. So in a few minutes, when, when Katie, right behind me here, is going to introduce this meal to you, where, by the way, more, a lot more than 5,000 people are going to be fed because at this very hour, around the world, this little meal is being celebrated. A little piece of bread, a little bit of wine, and the promise of God's willingness to give you strength when you are discouraged, to give you grace when you don't always feel accepted, to give you generosity when you think too much about yourself, to give you love when you know you need love. I know we're still going to be hungry after this, this meal. I know we are. But let God take whatever hunger it is in you that you cannot exactly identify and you cannot find words for. Let God take that hunger, bless it, and give you hope. Because remember, wherever there is plenty of God in your life, there is plenty of everything else. And wherever there is a shortage of God in your life, you can expect some other things to be missing as well. Amen.
So hear the prayer that our Lord has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Trusting now that God has filled you with good things, go and be inspired to fill the lives of others with the basics of life and love. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way, you feel a part of that outreach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.